0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Finding Japan, episode 32. Minasan hisashiburi desu ne. Hi, this is Christopher. Welcome to Finding Japan, episode 32. I'm sorry that this episode took so long to come out, and as San said before, that's right, I'm just full of excuses. No, actually, I've had quite a few good excuses lately. So hopefully you can bear with me, and hopefully this will turn out to be quite a good episode. Uh, We've been doing lots of things here in Japan lately. The biggest one is I have just come off of my approximately three-week vacation, Um, technically only two, but... In reality, more like four, so I'm calling it somewhere in between. I'm going to call it a three-week vacation. Anyway, lots has been going on. Uh, We have quite a few things to talk about here, Um, but the first thing I did want to say is a quick apology to the listeners. I had not been able to uh, produce any podcasts uh, while I was on vacation, so I had set up quite a few uh, already in WordPress, ready to go, ready to be released. But the major problem was um, I was unable to actually execute those with my K-Tie. And by execute, I mean I, I wasn't able to use the K-Tie browser, my cell phone, to actually go in and say, okay, now publish the episode. Something funky with the JavaScript, I'm not quite sure what it was, All I know is that it didn't work, and of course, me being on vacation, I didn't have the time to go to an internet cafe and get all that stuff worked out, so I'm sorry. But hopefully, this quick episode will make up for it, and the episodes to come with all of this vacation material should definitely make up for it a little down the road, so please be patient. That being said... Uh, what else has been going on? Um, I spent a great weekend here, just sort of relaxing and getting back into the groove in Tokyo. Uh, one of the biggest things that my roommate Alex and I have been doing is playing Battlefield twenty one forty two. This was a game that I've play. This is a game that I've played quite a few times, um, and used to be pretty into it. And uh, just started getting back into it now that I have a little more free time uh, during the summer here. Um, that will probably end pretty quickly, though, since I've just started work again today, and now uh, I'm going to focus mostly on getting back into the groove of speaking Japanese. Speaking Japanese uh, not so often over the past three weeks, primarily in restaurant type situations, has left me with a little bit, uh, a little bit rusty uh, grammar and uh, word leakage I guess you could call it Um, but eventually we should be able to uh, get that all squared away so I put myself on a great study plan and we'll see how that all turns out one thing I did want to ask you guys though does my voice sound any different my lovely fiance brought a package with her something I had left back in the states and this package contained some audio gear that I had been waiting for. So I'm very, very happy to have it now. And I have my actual microphone and I'm ready to go. And, um, something that I think will definitely help the workflow of putting out these podcasts. I am now using a new piece of software to produce the podcasts. For those of you who are on a Mac and Kelton, I'm sorry you are not. I just listened to your podcast today about, uh, your computer deal there. Um, for those of you who are on a Mac, check out Ubercaster. And if you're interested in podcasting, definitely check out Ubercaster. I want to tell a small story here and get a little technical, and then I'll get back into the uh, Japan topics in a moment. But the story has been that since I've started podcasting, I found these episodes to be laborious to edit. In fact, I think Scott Lockman mentioned one time that it took him on average about two hours. I think it was about two hours to edit an episode. I don't think I was quite bordering on two hours, but I was certainly up there. And I think part of it is just me being a perfectionist. I think the other part of it is just the time it takes to make a quality podcast episode. And a lot of it was because I had to spend time doing the actual recording and then putting together the materials and then editing everything. So the fades were nice and there was an intro and an outro, et cetera, et cetera. Cry me a river, right? You guys just want to listen to them, but. It was really hampering my workflow. I was getting to a point where uh, I had an idea. I wanted to just quickly bang it out in a podcast, and I wasn't able to do it because I knew it would take so much time. So I did a quick search today on the internet for podcasting tools for the Macintosh, and I did find something, Ubercaster, that does exactly what I needed to do. I can basically pull in audio files into this canvas and click them and fire them off. And then I can also edit it in a timeline when I'm done and then release it all in one program. Excellent, excellent. So if you are on a Mac, please definitely check out Ubercaster. I just dropped the $80 today to go ahead and get the software because I figure if I can do most of the editing, 90% of the editing while I'm doing the podcast, then uh, there you go. Then I'll save myself certainly that much time and hopefully be all that more productive. But we will see. If that actually works, so I'm not going to promise anything here. Ah, so coming back to Tokyo, wow, it's it's definitely been um, quite a trip. I was looking forward to calling Tokyo Calling on Friday, and uh, one of the things that had occurred while I was on vacation is not having any sort of internet connectivity. I had not been able to keep up with many people's podcasts, so. I didn't even know there was one until I logged on to TalkShoe Friday night, thinking that uh, I would be able to catch up with everybody and didn't see anybody on and saw Scott's messages. I soon listened to Scott Lockman's uh, podcast and then sort of heard uh, he's, I guess he's now heading over to the U.S. and probably won't be with us for a few weeks now. So Scott, definitely have fun. Hopefully you're listening to some podcasts and we'll get this uh, in your travels over there in the states, and be safe, buddy. I know. I know what you mean about the feeling over there. Um, let's talk a little bit about my vacation, which has been incredible. Now, I think a lot of episode material will come out of these this vacation I took, but I want to talk a little bit about um, just a high level overview of what's been going on. I say high level overview. I feel like I'm at work. Anyway, um, we spent quite a few weeks traveling. Two weeks. And we ended up going to, uh, I think, in order, uh, Hiroshima, Miyajima, uh, back to Hiroshima, Okayama, Kobe, hung out with uh, Terrence and his lovely girlfriend Naoko down in uh, Kobe there. We went to uh, Osaka, Kyoto, Nagoya, Ise, a city just outside of Ise, Toba, and then back to Uh, uh, Tokyo. Back to Japan, yes. No, back to Tokyo. Uh, We spent the entire time in Japan. So, uh, I have plenty of photos and stories to share, but what I wanted to share tonight was a little bit about what it felt like to be back in Tokyo and some of the things I've noticed. The first thing I noticed being back in Tokyo is that Tokyo is a very clean city we were in Hiroshima and some other areas, and especially around the water uh, areas and there was quite a bit of pollution and I was quite surprised now i I think I have to caveat this by saying my perception of pollution has probably changed since I've been in Japan. Tokyo being such a clean city, you sort of expect things to be clean, and in a lot of ways, things are sort of clean where they shouldn't be i was leaving this morning um, to head off to work after being away for a few weeks. And there was a guy watering the street outside of his his store. Now, I can see cleaning the street with water, but this man was watering the street. That's something I haven't quite figured out yet, but hopefully someone can clue me in there. Okay, so yeah, Tokyo has been very, very clean. And uh, going to some of these other cities, you sort of get... A little less than that and and you kind of notice it when you get back to Tokyo though uh the last day that my fiance was here we were walking to the train station and we noticed a very conspicuous piece of trash on the bridge that was sort of I'll just leave it at this it was gross and uh, we were both sort of taken aback but ironically it was something that if I had seen on the street in New York City I just sort of laughed and and kept going it would have been funny but um I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but in Tokyo, it kind of raises your eyebrows. I'll leave the visual to your imagination and try to keep this a a PG rated show. I don't I don't think I've ever used a cuss word on this show. In fact, so don't want to get that explicit rating. But yes, Tokyo is really clean, especially compared to um, Hiroshima. And in some of the more rural areas, you actually find that it's it's quite just just as clean. Things may not be well kept like lawns may not be mowed or areas may not be trimmed but um, they are quite clean. But some of the city areas outside of the Tokyo area are a little more dirty. So that was the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed is a feeling of home and this was something that I really didn't expect. Traveling on the trains for quite a few weeks uh, I noticed that I really felt like a tourist. I really felt like it was my job to look around, to sort of take it all in. And when I arrived back in Tokyo, I had this feeling of, oh, okay, I, I feel like I'm back in my, my hometown. I feel like I'm back in an area I understand. But what I didn't expect is this morning going to work. I was on the train, and I had sort of this vague, foggy cloud around me, almost like I felt like I was numb to Tokyo, and, it, and not in a bad way. It just sort of made me feel like, well, I'm used to this. I'm used to getting on the train and going to work, and I really felt like I was in a fog the entire morning on my way to work, and maybe, maybe it was just the humidity, but no, I truthfully felt like I was in a fog. And it was very, very strange because... Usually, going to work, I sort of just feel like i 'm in the groove, but today it was a it was a, just an odd sort of fog and i and i don 't really know why it was. My only guess is that I was getting uh overwhelmed just by sort of the sights and the sounds of the subway again, and yet at the same time, I felt like I was part of a machine uh, that was moving people through its veins if if that makes any sort of sense, I just felt like I was part of the city again and doing what it is I'm supposed to do. So I can interpret that many different ways, but the one thing that, uh, or the one interpretation that works best for me is I feel like Tokyo is home. Uh, Finally, the last thing about being back in Tokyo, and I, I don't think this has much to do with coming back to Tokyo per se, but this has more to do with me actually realizing something about myself, is that, I feel like I've turned into scary man. Let me explain. Okay, so I am a reasonably young-looking person for my age, and I think that's worked to my advantage for quite a long time, especially when interacting with children. I love kids. I, I have some small sisters. I say small, they're in high school now, but compared to my age, when I was in college, a few of them were in grade school, and now um, my youngest sister is in high school. So I've grown up around little kids and having fun with little kids and I think more importantly relating to little kids. When I was in the states I would uh, be at a grocery store and a small child would be in the uh little what is it? I can't even think right now. The stroller. And the child would look at me and I'd sort of make a silly face or kinda of wink at them or whatever and they would laugh and we'd start like a little game or something. I don't know, it would always be really kinda of cute. But I've noticed since I've come to Japan I try to do that, I've turned into scary guy. I end up scaring these kids. Terrence has a great story, a Kobe Beef Show. Um Kobe beef I think it's Kobe Beef Show dot com. Um, he hasn't put out a Kobe beef in a while. He's doing this wine cast now, and oh, I'm going down a rat hole with tangents here but but Terence, I wanted to let you know I'm drinking a uh god, I don't even know what it is it's a two thousand two French wine. Let me go grab the bottle for a moment and I'll let you know what it is. Ah, uh, yes, is it is it it is a, a two thousand two cahor Appalachian cahor, and uh it is just beautiful. It's a red wine here. It's sort of drying up my tongue, which is probably a a bad idea when you're starting the podcast here, but I am mm, I am just enjoying it. Terence uh has a uh, great way of explaining wines and really breaking them down and I just I just go like this. This is what I do. Ready? Mmm. Yummy. Okay, no, it is really really good. So, Terence, I think I think I bought this when we were in um God, I don't even know where we were. It was a great night. It was right after Hanami. But I I bought this that night and uh, we didn't get a chance to drink this uh, during vacation so I'm I'm putting a dent in it now. So thanks for the uh, recommendation and looking out for uh, my wine selection that night. But anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Okay, so Terrence has a great story about making face at this baby and the baby crying and the whole deal. Go check out his podcast and it's a really funny story. But um, while I was on vacation, I noticed that many more children were looking at me like in a very curious way. So my natural instinct is to just start interacting with these kids. But I realized that I lost something. I lost the touch. I've turned into, I've turned from a funny guy into scary man. And to me, this is sort of a obvious realization of growing up, of course, but again, I, I'm I think I just sort of lost a little piece of me over vacation coming back to Tokyo. And I think maybe it's a combination of realizing that Tokyo is one of the greatest cities in the world and that uh, I am still a part of it right now. And I have turned into scary man. That's making me think that things are changing. Okay, sorry for a little little bump there. Um, still trying to get a little used to this new program here, but it, it is really working out. Um, the other thing I noticed, too, is you may notice more ohms and ahs and crazy cracking sounds coming out of my mouth. I'm sorry. I think after the last 30 episodes of this podcast, I'm really at a point where I shouldn't be editing them so much, and using this program is really going to get me in the habit of doing that. So... What we're going to do for a little special segment of this episode here is I'm going to play some music that uh, I recorded live, and it's probably not quite legal, and uh, I sort of hesitate to play this, but it is a a personal recording, and there are people talking over it, so it it definitely is something that um, is not CD quality, and and, uh, the performance is not exactly... Totally, one hundred percent spot on. Either, so I don't think the artist would get mad. But um, I do need to sort of set this up for a moment. Before climbing Mount Fuji, and there will be a Mount Fuji episode coming soon. My fiance and I um, went to a uh, area of Shinjuku that has some great views. If you go to Shinjuku, check out the Sumitomo Building. It's a triangular shaped building, and not triangular from the ground. I mean, it's it's a triangular. Think of a triangle that's just sort of extruded up into the air, and that's the type of building. And the inside of it's hollow. So if you go inside the building and you look straight up and you see sky, you know and you're, you're in the right place. At the 51st floor, I think it is, there's a free observatory, and you can see quite a bit of the city from that area. We had gone up there just to sort of check things out and kill some time before heading to Mount Fuji and catching the uh, bus from Shinjuku. On the way back to the train station, we ran into an, I call it an impromptu matsuri because it wasn't really advertised very well. And I think it was actually just a collection of local artists who do traditional Indonesian type things. I can't really tell because I'm not an expert on the different types of dress, but I will put out a video a little later of um, one of the performances and in addition, um, there was an Indonesian gamelan band, I think you could call it. Gamelan is a type of music that has chimes and these Indonesian xylophones that are made out of bamboo. If you take a stick of bamboo and you sort of cut, start cutting it in half the long way, but stop halfway and take a notch out so that you have sort of a full bamboo for half of it and half a bamboo for the other half you can lay them out horizontally and string them up with rope and if you vary the sizes you have a xylophone there and it has a really interesting sound. It kinda sounds like a marimba, but a little more hollow, not as knocky as a as a marimba. It has more of a like an O sound to it. Anyway, very interesting, very interesting sound. So this group started playing and I didn't realize until afterwards that this music is actually very familiar. And I've heard this music before, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. After the performance was over, I walked over to the little booth there, and I realized that this uh, perf- this piece of music was actually used in the movie Akira. And for those of you who are familiar with the uh, movie Akira, you'll know uh, what I'm talking about. So I'm going to play a little clip of the m- movie Akira right now, so you can get an idea of what this music is supposed to sound like, and then we'll we'll get into the actual performance that was recorded um, this past July. So it was almost almost a month ago. In fact, about three weeks ago it was recorded. So we'll get into that in a moment. But first, here is the uh, clip from the uh, movie Akira. <laughs> Okay, so you sort of get the point there. I'm sorry that there was a – I couldn't find an actual recording of that, and I don't know the soundtrack, so I just took a clip from the movie itself. But there you go. So here is this band. I don't have a name of the band, um, but I do have a short recording here. One thing I do want to note, though, is that this band had a um, mostly female – but a lot of the uh, musicians were were very very good, especially the musicians that were on that bamboo instrument. But I did have one issue with this as a musician. There was a set of accompaniment. One is a keyboard, and the other is a set of drums. I think, in my own opinion, the drums are completely off and somewhat detract from the overall listening experience. But if you can get over the the bad drumming, and in my opinion, again, and I, I just to just maybe. Uh, What's the word? Kind of snotty of me to say that. But if you can get over that, um, I think it's definitely worth listening to. So here you go. This is from the Matsuri just before leaving for Fujisan, an impromptu performance of this uh, Indonesian uh, gamelan music here. A little rushed, a little hectic, but I I thought it was really, really good. And I I really, really like the sound of that instrument. So um, this isn't finding Indonesia, but it's certainly interesting to be able to run into things like that in Japan. I will also be posting a video sometime soon of some very cool pictures from the Tanabata Festival. And that was another event that I just happened to run into. So that happens quite a bit while we're in Japan here. Um, What else? Okay, I think that's it for this episode. It's getting to be close to about a half hour. Not bad for a first Welcome Back episode with new gear entirely. I'm not even using anything that I've used before with the exception of the computer right now. But I do want to thank everybody. Um, We will have probably another episode coming out this week as I begin putting together some stories Alex and I will be sitting down and doing our Fujisan episode. We have quite a few stories to share. We each went to Fujisan on different days, so we have uh, quite a bit of different material to work with. And um, we, we will share the experience of what it's like to climb Fujisan and, more importantly, what it's like to come down from Fujisan. So with that, I will leave you. I want to thank you all again for listening to Finding Japan. Um, We will have more and more episodes coming out soon, more and more pictures to share too. And as I get some of the vacation pictures up, along with various sites of Japan, I will be sharing those stories and giving you links to those pictures. So thank you for listening. Take care.